Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. We've been in the series. Uh, this is week three. We have one more week uh, next week where we'll wrap it all up. Uh, today, I've had this peace in my heart for a while, to be honest with you, but let me set it up for you this morning. Uh, we started about two weeks, two Sundays ago, uh, talking about a passage of scripture that really this fall, God just dropped in my heart that I believe is a word for tree of life. I believe it's for the church in general, but and especially for us in this season, it's Ezekiel 47, uh, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to dive into that in depth much today. Uh, you can go back the last two weeks, you can watch, and I would encourage you, if you haven't been here, to certainly go back and do it and watch them. If you have been here, go back and watch them because we learn more by repetition, right? We learn more, listen more. Uh, drops in our spirit, man comes alive in us. <clears throat> I believe it's a word for us. And so uh, we're taking God at his word. We prayed that out during 21 days, kind of bringing that in the series a little bit to what, what does that look like practically for you and I? Ezekiel 47 is the prophet Ezekiel has a vision, an angel appears to him and takes him. I'm just going to read the first couple of scriptures. I'll save the rest uh, for your personal reading, and it's on your live notes. But it says this in Ezekiel 47, one, the man, an angel in this visitation brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold. Water in scripture is symbolic. It represents life. There is not life without water. It is life-giving. So I saw what gives life coming out of the threshold of the temple. It was already there, in other words. We're not asking God to pour out, in a sense, open up the windows and pour. He already has. He's poured out his spirit, amen. For whatever measure of that you and I have, we are to release. It's never to hold on to. In fact, when you release life that has come to you from the life of God, it grows, it grows exponentially, it produces life wherever it goes, and that's why we're here. So when we release what we've received across that threshold, stepping outside of the temple, the temple being church, and understand this, in the New Testament, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, amen, when you say yes to Jesus. So allowing his life to come out of you, and you're on a journey, you're on a path, you're taking a step. Now these stones right here, um, I had those created because I felt last week there's a few things that perhaps I need to bring just a little more clarification to. And we learned in Ephesians, it's not in your notes, but go back last week, Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 through 19, we learned about that journey. And Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus to believers and says, my prayer is that you will know him or know God. The very first starting point for all of us is knowing God, Amen having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then we step across that threshold. In fact, in the original language, to know him is the word gnosko, which means intimately. It's not know him up here, but know him in here, amen? It's not know him through religion and routine, it's knowing him through relationship, right? And so the more you know him, the more of him you walk in, the more you become like him. And so for some of us on that journey, and my hope was you find yourself on the journey and encourage you to take the next step, knowing him is a starting point. And then you step across that threshold because now you're trying to know him better. You're trying to know him intimately. You want him to know him more every day. I would say maybe that first step for some of us as we step across that threshold of a relationship with Jesus is water baptism. And I don't know how many of you have not been water baptized, or I don't know how many of you maybe been, it's been a long time, or maybe you knew him, it was maybe a religious activity for you, maybe it was a routine or ritual, however you want to say that. Maybe now your relationship is different, I would take that step of baptism. 
The next step I would say, or another step on your journey, because now you still have more of God to know intimately, and might be for some of us to start giving. Because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Come on, somebody. You want to know where your treasure is, where are you giving your money? That's what the Bible says. There's more scriptures in the Bible on giving and generosity than any other topic. In fact, most of the major topics combined. So God says, your heart is attached to your money. So you want to know God on another level, gnosko more intimately, start giving into the things of God. And if you're not on that step yet, guess what? You want to know him better? Trust him. Uh, let me say this this morning. Here's what I felt I needed to say. Uh, when we come to church, we want to know that we can trust God. When we come to church, he wants to know that he can trust you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? It's the truth. And so you gnosko him by doing the things that show that he can trust you, right? Return back into him the tithe. Open the window of heaven. It's the only place in scripture that he says, trust me or test me. The only place. And so maybe you're already on that step. Another step for you might be, then you need to serve somewhere. If you're not serving somewhere, guess what? That's the next step in knowing him better because you're designed on purpose for a purpose, amen? And you don't experience some of the things of God until you do what you were created to do and it begins, and with the house of God, if you will, that he's called you to. And so if you're not serving somewhere, can I just say as your pastor, that's another step you need to take in gnoscoing him better. And then maybe for some of us, it might be as much as getting into a group, right? We talked last week. I don't want to keep going on that, but let me say this, and you'll hear a little bit of this next week. Maybe another step, I'm now at the immersed level. I don't know if you can see that on the screen or whatever, but now I'm at the immersed level. The immersed level, I'm all in. I want everything God has for me. I'm in complete surrender to God. And maybe the next step for some of you is that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We do really well at the first two, but you realize he's three parts all in one, and you need to know them all and love them all equally and engage with them all equally, amen? So for some of us, that all-in step may be that step into that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the word immersed is here, which is the word for baptism. There's two baptisms, baptism by water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. It simply means immersion. Are you immersed in a relationship, personal relationship with the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit? And so I don't have time, I'm not teaching on all that today, but I felt last week I needed to tie up a few loose ends for you. It's easier to see it. And so I hope that you're able to recognize where you are on your journey. And Ephesians was, you know him better. And then as you know him, you find freedom. The more you know him, the more freedom you walk in. I'm gonna tell you right now on that giving part, I have more freedom financially than I've ever had in my life because I'm a tither. And I've been my whole life and this church believes in all that. I'm just telling you. If you don't believe me and you think because I'm the pastor and you need that money thing or what, I don't... I, I got God's money. I don't know how to say that, right? I mean, God's Jehovah Jireh. We just sang about that. But it's for your freedom, your financial freedom. Amen? And so, but we've seen it for 41 plus years and then in our own personal lives. So for some of us, the more we know him with our finances, the more freedom we'll walk in. And then on the journey goes. So understand what your next step is. And the more you gnosko him by taking that next step, 
the more freedom that you walk in. And then when you get to that place of immersion, then everything becomes clear. And I don't wanna go through that passage in Ezekiel again for time's sake or Ephesians, but we found it all there. Let's go to Psalm 1611. All right, let's move forth with today's message. Uh, you'll show me the path of life. This is a, this is a life verse for me, uh, one, of the, one of them. But you'll show me, God will show you the path of life, the path of life, the path of his life, the path of John 10, 10, abundant life, or life more abundantly. You realize that real life is lived on the path that God has for you, life to the full. You experience bits and pieces of life or what you would call fulfillment and satisfaction to a level, but not to the level God wants you to experience, which is only found on the path he has for you. And we spend our life finding a path that we want to go and inviting him. Hey, God, how about this one? How about this one? He's like, he doesn't have to think about it. There's no negotiation. You realize there's no negotiation with God, right? So he's got a path. He's not not going to try and convince you you're on the wrong path. Why should he? Because he's God, right? I don't have to come over here and tell him, now, Don, come and sit down for a second. Sit down on this big rock right here for a second, and let's talk about this. Now, see, he doesn't have to. He's like, I'm God. My path is the best path. He sounds a little arrogant, right? He's like, but he's God, right? He can be. He's a, he can be. I mean, you're God, so you're Pat. Yes, sir. You don't need to convince me. And so I love this. You will show me the path. He's not hiding it from you. You're just not looking or you're focused on something else. He's not hiding it. Maybe you're not far enough on the next step to really see it clearly, but nonetheless, he has a path for your life. Uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. We said joy is not like happiness, like yippee and all excited. It's contentment. It's a satisfaction. It's the original word, uh, and the original word in Hebrew means fullness or contentment or satisfaction. You'll show me your path, and when I'm on your path, I experience your presence or the fullness of contentment, satisfaction, and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. The path of life, he has a path for you. I don't care who you are, what you've done, what you've been through, if you're on the planet, God has a path for you. If you know him as Lord and Savior, if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, he has a path for you, amen? He has a path for all of humanity. Now, being on his path does not mean it's gonna be smooth sailing. Right? Can I get a bigger amen? Oh, I know that's right. <laughs> Sometimes we think if nothing's happening, we must be on the right path. No. I heard this one time, if you're not bumping into the devil, you're walking with him. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> right? he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, but let me say this. If you're not a threat to him, he's just not going to waste time on you. I got you. I don't need that. So when you're on the path God has, though, he wants to try and so you're like, well, why do I want to fight that fight? Because it's the only path that has fullness, contentment, satisfaction that we all want, right? On that path, the joy of the Lord, the things of God, the blessings of God, and we'll know today the promise of God. And so it's on that path. And so there's a real enemy trying to distract us. And so there's obstacles along our way. And there's things that happen or happen in our life. Now, and we have all these stones. So along your path are stones, there's rocks, there's things, obstacles, obstructions on your path. That's just the way it is. Some of them are created by choices you've made. Some of them are created by choices made around us. Some of them are based on circumstances. And let's just be in science or geology or whatever. Stones and rocks are made by intense pressure, something being broken. 
Stones and rocks are just are made by waters that had flowed or thawing and, and, and warming and they've separated for something, changing climates, conditions. Uh, they're, they're made that way. They're just, they're created that way. And, and that can be the same in your life, pressures and changing of climates or circumstances. You can, you, you can feel uh, the pressure and stress and things being broken and things broken in your life and you broken. There's stones and rocks on your path. <clears throat> That's just the truth on the path God has for you. Now, God's not worried about it because he knows who he is. He's just trying to get you to know who he is, right? And on the path, there's things that happen and, and are, are stones or obstacles in our way and uh, maybe things, again, that we've done or choices that we've made or others, things beyond our control, but there's rocks on our path. And rocks can be things like uh, that will try and stop us, try and keep us from fulfilling God's plan. Uh, if the enemy can't keep you off the path, of God, that God has for you, he wants to distract you. He wants to try and get a detour in your life. Um, you can be tripping over something on your path. I keep tripping over this every week. I keep tripping over the same stone every day. It could be addictions, it could be sins, it could be bad experiences, it could be hurts, it could be pains, it could be depression. I, I, I've, I've, chosen not, I've chosen just to ignore those things, but my path is a little bit slower now because I'm trying to navigate around the obstacles instead of remove the obstacles. Uh, 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 past can, uh, stones on your path can be dangerous. They got jagged edges and how many times have you been hurt by those because you haven't dealt with it and you hurt over and over again and, and there's things that you've just allowed to become a part of your life that maybe they're now buried but they're there or you don't see them because now they blend into the background but yet there's stones on your path, the path that God has for you. Now what we need to know is the path that he has for you again has his presence and his power and so he's not going to take us the easy route. We look for the path of least resistance. That's a good way to know that you're not probably on the right one. But you have to deal with the obstacles and the stones on your path. That's how you grow. That's how you mature. That's how you get closer to the things that God has for you. Because your path is leading you somewhere. We'll get to that in a moment. But along your path are stones. And, and, and let me say this also, that if we don't deal with those stones on our path, they'll be the stones that we throw at others. Because we'll live out of that. We'll live out of that hurt. We'll live out of that unforgiveness. And ultimately, we'll start throwing these stones on somebody else's path, maybe. Maybe it's to hurt them. Maybe it's to trip them up. Maybe it's to detour them or to stop them. So everything that we are in, on this path, everything we have, there'll be obstacles and challenges. And let's talk about that again. We talked about sickness and attitudes and finances and marriage and rejection and loss. They all re represent issues in our life or stones on our path. And we, we have a lot of those. So let's take a look at a journey today of somebody on a path. Now our journey is gonna require faith and we're a faith church. If you know Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, you are saved by grace through faith, amen? Or by faith through grace. I get those flipped around, but you know what I'm talking about, right? My mind is on the stones. And uh, so you understand that we only have a relationship with God through faith faith in Jesus Christ. We are faith people. We don't apologize for that. We don't back down for that, but we need to walk by faith. When you take a step across the threshold, you don't know what the end is from the beginning. You just need to have faith for the next step. And when you step out in faith, even when it doesn't make sense to you, even when it's not very clear, but you're trusting God, you're gnoscoing him a little bit more, you take that step, amen, your faith grows and you'll take another step, your faith grows and you'll take it. That's why God wants to grow you. He wants, if you're gonna, he wants to take you through it so you can grow through it. So 
understand that. So let's take a look. Genesis 12, 1, Abram. Abram is known, it's Abram right now. He is known as Abraham. God changes his name 25 years from this moment as he enters into a covenant with he and his wife. He gives him a part of his name, which is the H. I don't want to explain all that, but that's why it goes from Abram to Abraham. He gives him a part of Yahweh and it changes his name as he enters into this greater covenant with him. But Abram begins this journey with God. He starts out on God's path. It says this in Genesis 12, 1. The Lord God had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's house, everything that's comfortable, convenient, and familiar to you, to the land I will show you. Now, I like how it says this in Hebrews 11. Hebrews, we find a lot of our heroes of faith. And so let's take a look at Hebrews 11, 8. Let's take a look at the scripture here. By faith, Abraham, now this is reflecting back, his name has already been changed. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He just stepped out of the threshold to trust God. And so he was going to an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar people, not knowing what to expect. He was leaving everything familiar, everything comfortable, everything convenient to him to follow God's path for his life. So that's a big deal for Abram because he's going into a foreign land. He's not familiar with the land. He couldn't Google research all the demographics and he couldn't get the, you know, that what's that look from the sky, right? You see everything. He couldn't get the lay of the land, nothing. He just had to step out there. He's going to a foreign land, never been there. Different customs, different culture, different language. We are strangers and aliens, are we not here? I'm in this world, but I'm of this world. Heaven is my home, but I'm here. And I'm in a sense, if you will, a different land with different cultures, different customs. Uh, He goes to a land of giants where he's going, where God's directing him. Canaan is a land of giants. It's the land where Goliath comes from. Goliath was believed to be over nine feet tall. There's other people that size in that land. Uh, So he's going to a land that has armies, walled cities. And he's just a guy taking his wife and his nephew and his wife and some servants, following God to a foreign land, walled cities, outnumbered, impenetrable obstacles with giants in the land and to a place he is very unfamiliar with. He has no idea what he's getting into. And do you realize if he had known that, he might not have went. (laughs) So do you know God's not gonna show you the end? Because you just might not wanna go there. I didn't know it was going to be like this. That's why I didn't tell you. That's why God says, I didn't tell you. I'm smarter than you are, but trust me along the way. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. <clears throat> Genesis 12, 2. Let's get into the rest of the story now. Here's what he says. I will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Listen to what happens in Genesis 12, 2, because Abram is stepping out on the path that God has for him, God gives him a promise. I will, God will. I will, God will. I want you to know this, God's given you a promise, amen? And he will fulfill his end of the promise. If you will stay on the path, no matter what, God will lead you to the promise. Let me say it this way. This might be the most profound thing I say today. God's path leads to God's promise, you're gonna be trying to pursue those things in other ways and other avenues, but they're only found one way. I mean, you can't like, right, on maps, you can't find, can find me an alternate route. It might take me a little bit longer, but I'll get there. There's no alternate route. There's only one. 
It's his path leads to his promise. And so Abraham has given a promise of God and God is telling him, I will do this for you. I will make you a great nation. I don't need you to conform to the things of this world. I will bless you. I don't need you to be dependent on a world system. I will make your name great. Your name is to be more treasured and valued than gold or reputation, amen? A good name, a good reputation, favor. You will be a blessing. You'll make a difference. And he goes on to say this in verse three. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I will bless you. I'm gonna bless you. On my path are blessings for you. I will curse those who curse you. What about when you're not on his path? You deal with them, he says. Because <laughs> I'm over here. Can you curse these people, God? Not unless you're on my path. Because my promise is that we're on my path. I will bless you and bless those that bless you. I'll cur- Can I say this this morning? And I try and stay away from political stuff, but let me say this. Do you know why the United States is still a blessed nation, no matter how you think about it? Because we stand by Israel. And God forbid the time that one of our leaders decides not to. Because as long as we stand by Israel, even if the rest of the world does not, this promise still holds true. That if we'll still bless God's people, God will be a blessing to us. And so it's important to make sure that we understand the promise of God and the things that he has for us. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And it says this in verse three. We could say on um, verse three still, right at the end. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You know what that says to me? That says to me that for generation after generation after generation of my line, do you know you staying on the path of God sets up your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren? Why, number one, because you're modeling what you're supposed to be living. You may not think you need to be on that path, but if you want the promises of God for your kids, you need to lead them on the path that God has. Come on, someone, right? Lead them in the way they should go and the way they'll not depart. They may come back, they may wander, they may drift, but they'll come back to the path. That's what the Bible says, the promises. I wanna say this, the world needs a church that will stay on God's path. The world needs a people that will stay on God's path. Let's go on to verse four. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife, Sarai. She's not been changed to Sarah yet. Nephew Lot, all the positions they had accumulated, people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, the land of giants, the land with walled cities, the land, uh, you know, outnumbered. And they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site. Now listen to this. As far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, the great tree of Morah at Shechem. You know, nothing's in the Bible by accident. So, so uh, Abram is on the path. He gets there to the land of giants with walled cities where he's outnumbered by armies. And then it says he gets to the place where the great tree of Morah is. Morah is the place, Morah literally means teaching or learning. So he gets to the place, now understand this, God leads him, what's he doing? He's teaching him. He needs Abraham to learn some things in the land of giants where obstacles are bigger than you are, in the land of giants where there's walled cities almost seemingly impenetrable, and the land of giants where you feel outnumbered, where you feel like a foreigner, I'm gonna teach you something you need to know in that moment, and it's the great tree of Morah at Shechem. Shechem is transliterated, not translated, but picturally it means shoulder 
or portion. God's saying, I'm gonna teach you to stand on my shoulders in the land of giants. I'm gonna teach you that I am gonna be your portion when you feel outnumbered, when every obstacle looks greater than you, when it seems like there's no way through. God says, on my path, I will teach you to stand on my shoulders in those moments that you feel overwhelmed and insignificant. That's on God's path. He's teaching you, he's teaching you, and he's teaching you that you can stand on his shoulders. I got you. I'll be your portion when you seem insignificant. I'll be the difference in your life when you seem outnumbered. I love this beautiful picture. And God says, step out in faith and I will lead you to a place with a promise. And it's a beautiful picture of Abraham learning, Abram learning to stand on the shoulders of God, pursuing God's promise. Do you know when you're pursuing God's promise, you're standing on the shoulders of God? He is your portion? So Genesis 12, seven says this. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, here we go, God's a generational God, come on. You're not just making decisions for you, but for everyone to come down your line behind you, appear to God, to your offspring, I'm reminding, God's reminding Abram of the promise. This isn't just about you, but about those that come after you. I will give this land. So Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. You know what Abram did? In the midst of giants, in the midst of impenetrable walls, walls that he didn't think he could break down or get through, in the midst of overwhelming numbers and circumstances, trained armies, in the midst of all that, here's a man, a foreigner, with just a small family and people with him, and all of a sudden, God says, reminds him, I'm here, you're gonna learn that I am your portion, you're gonna learn to stand on my shoulder, and the first thing Abram did is stop and build an altar. I wanna submit to you today, before we go any farther in our walk, in our journey, in the land of giants, in the land of overwhelming circumstances, in the land that seems foreign to us and it's getting more foreign all the time. It seems like it's not for us, but against us. In that land, we need to take a moment and take all the issues in our life. We've been avoiding, we've been tripping over them. We have things in our life, on our path that we have experienced that become a uh, obstacles and rocks in our life. And, and those stones, you, you just can't ignore those stones. You, 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 you'll trip over them again and, and they'll be in front of you again and they'll cause you hurt if you don't understand that there's something you need to do. So we pick up our addictions that we think that I, I, I can't seem to break free of this. And so we tend to ignore or we hide it and we keep going. And God says, no, you need to get that stone and give it to me. And so we, we have struggles and challenges in our marriages. And I, I don't think I'm gonna, our marriage is not, I, I don't know if we're even gonna stay married. And God says, give your marriage to me. Come to the EXO conference and I'll help you out. And God is telling you that don't avoid those stones. Don't ignore those stones like that sin in your life. Don't ignore the things that seemingly are obstacles. God says, I'll help you. I'll help you. See how strong I am? These are big, heavy rocks right here. I'll help you. Strength of the Lord right there. So God is saying, don't ignore the sin in your life. Don't hide it and bury it, Right? It's blended into the background because you've chose not to. And what happens, it becomes part of our path. And God's like, no, that's not on my path. I didn't put that there. And so it's dirty maybe. And we think we have to, and, and God says, no, give it to me just like it is. And I'll take it. I'll take that from your, from your life. And I'll, there's an order to this that I, I'm trusting the Lord because I just messed it all up. But hey, and so <laughs> take those, take that brokenness, Right? Maybe some of you have been really hurt and you're just trying to 
not think about it or get over it. God says, give it to me. Give it to me. Use those moments. Use those things in your life and allow me to work through you to help you. And those stones and rocks in our path that we feel are insurmountable, that we've been wounded by and injured by over and over again. How about, how about depression? How, how, how about anxiety? How, how about the things that our mind just won't stop? And my mind goes negative all the time and I can't help but think of this or that. And I just, I need my mind renewed. I, I, I need God to do something. And I'm just gonna not think about him, I'm gonna think about other things. No, you gotta, you gotta give that to God. Your life is full of stones and obstacles on your path. And we just tend to walk by them and ignore them. And it impacts our future. So we have to take those things in our life. And Abraham says, stay in Jesus' name. Abraham says, <laughs> he, he may have, I don't know how he stacked his, but Abraham is taking all the stones off his path and giving them to God. And that's important. Let me, let me show you the scripture, Exodus 20, 25. Exodus 20, 25. Look at the word says right here. If you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool for that would make the, un the altar unfit for holy use. You know what God was saying? No masks. Quit trying to clean your mess up. You can't get it righteous. You can't get it good enough. Bring your brokenness just as you are. Bring your ugliness of sin and addiction just as you are. The things you don't want to tell anybody else because you're embarrassed, you're ashamed of. Bring that to me. You don't have to shape it. You don't have to clean it. Don't try and knock the dirt off it. Don't, God, when I can get to this place, you're not going to get to that place. It's going to be on your path until you pull that stone up off your path and you carry it and you pile it up and you build an altar unto the Lord just as it is with all the rawness and realness that it is in your life if you just will take it. God will take it just as you are. The only way you're going to get those stones off your path is by building and using them to build an altar to the Lord. And the Bible says, Abram built an altar in the midst of giants, in the midst of overwhelming addictions, in the midst of obstacles that he couldn't fathom, giants he's seen for the first time, things that have grown so big, he didn't know those things could get big anymore, that big in his life. Armies greater. There's no way I could. There's no way I could see that I could overcome this. I am just myself, and here's a whole army array. However that looks, however you want to use the analogy in your life, however you want to spiritualize it in your life. Listen, this is a spiritual transaction between you and God, where you take all the things honestly, openly in your life, and all of it, and give it to God. No matter how hurtful, no matter how ugly, no matter how dirty it is, you take those things on your path, and you build an altar. And what building an altar is in Scripture it is worshiping the Lord. Abram built an altar and worshiped the Lord there. And in that moment, Abraham took those stones and built an altar. He didn't dress them up. He took the stones from his path and built an altar. And some of those stones probably were hard to remove. And some of them were probably pretty heavy, weighing on him, weighing on him. But Abram, in the midst of a foreign land, built an altar. Then, and he worshiped the Lord there. Building an altar is, is an act of spiritual worship. Verse eight says this. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. 
And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Now listen what happens here. The first thing he does is he gathers stones and builds an altar. It's an act of worship. He worships God. The second altar he builds shortly thereafter, it says he called on the Lord there. That means he prayed. He asked for God to come and engage with him. The first one, he worshiped God. You are God and there is no other. You are an amazing God. You are an incredible God. In the midst of my giants, in the midst of being overwhelmed or outnumbered, you are still God. In a foreign land, you are still God. And then the other time he piled it up and he says, and I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. And so God, come and be God of my life. One, he, he worships the Lord and the other, he talks to him through prayer. But understand where he builds the second altar. It says he built it between Bethel and Ai. Now what's interesting about those cities is Ai is a city that means heap of ruins. The name means heap of ruins, heap of ruins. It's a type and picture of the world. Bethel means house of God. So it's as if like he's on his path and all of a sudden he has a choice to make. I can go to Ai, which is a heap of ruins, a type of the world, or I can go to Bethel, the house of God. And so he built an altar there and called upon God. God, where do we go? Now it might seem obvious to you and I, but understand later on down his downline, when all of a sudden God's people cross the river Jordan led by Joshua and they defeat Jericho, the next battle they fight is there's a group of soldiers from Israel and they say, this town of Ai, this is a little town. It has a little wall around it. We just defeated this big town city. We don't need to ask God. They didn't pray. They didn't ask God nothing. They just took some soldiers, not all the soldiers, and they went to fight against Ai and they lost. They were defeated by a smaller foe. And then God leads him to Bethel. I want to say this morning, we need to gather all the things in our life, the obstacles that we've been tripping over, the things that have been buried, the heavy, have been weighing heavily on you, no matter what it is, just as it is. And we need to give it to God and pile it up. And then we need to go to him and just worship him. You're big enough, God. There's none like you. You're an amazing God. And then we know that when we move forth from that place, we have a choice to make. Are we going to continue to follow the world or go to the heap of ruins? Are we going to continue to follow the things of God? Go to the house of God. I want to follow God. I'm going to call God, come and lead me. Come and direct me, Father God. We're going to call upon God. Now listen, listen, because I got to move on. Right here in this scripture in verse eight, it says that, still on the screen, can you put that on the screen for me? It says, there he built at the bottom, there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And in this moment, the word Lord there is used. It is the word Jehovah. He's calling upon Jehovah. So when he calls upon Jehovah, what is he doing? He's calling upon the eternal one, the unchangeable one, because that's what Jehovah means. But Jehovah is typically followed by a descriptive word. So he's following, we sang this this morning, he's following Jehovah Jireh. He's calling Jehovah Jireh. I know in this land of giants where I'm outnumbered and things like everything is against me, you are my provider to finances and, and struggles with your finances maybe one of the rocks on your, I can't seem to get ahead. I can't get out of debt. I have something, then something breaks. Jehovah Jireh is who you call upon. And he calls on Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. And when he calls on and he prays for Jehovah to come engage with him, he's like, I'm giving all my sickness. I'm giving all the diagnosis a doctor gave me. I'm giving all the things I've been wrestling with for years. I'm giving that and putting it on the altar and I'm calling on Jehovah to come 
and receive and consume my offering. He's calling on Jehovah Nisi because Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is my victory. Where's the area in your life that you need a victory? I keep getting defeated. It seems like I, I get to a point and then I fall back in. I get to a point and fall back in. I keep losing. It seems like, well, I'm calling on by this altar. I'm calling on praying to Jehovah for Jehovah Nisi to come. He's calling on Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord is my righteousness. That means that I can't deal with this sin on my own. I can't deal with this struggle with these addictions, Lord, in my life. I need the the righteousness of Christ. I need the righteousness that Jesus provided me. So I'm calling on Jehovah. He's calling on Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is present. Like I can't go without you. I know you'll never leave me and forsake me. I may feel alone in this foreign land and outnumbered by many, but I am not alone because Jehovah Shammah is with me. He is present. He's calling on Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd, that you will lead me and care for me. You will watch out for my good. You are always there. He's calling on Jehovah. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is his peace. Amen. And even in the midst of circumstances that completely look against me in a foreign land that I know not where I go, I can have the peace that passes understanding because I'm calling on Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. On your path, there are rocks, obstacles. We all have them. The band can come on out. We all have them. They're all there, but we can't avoid them. We can't act like they're not there. We'll keep tripping up over them. We'll keep seeing them again and again. And we gotta unbury them. And we gotta, no matter how heavy they weigh on you, we've gotta carry them. But we gotta build an altar and give them to God, our spiritual act of worship. I'm just giving this to you, God. And then we call on Jehovah and we ask him to come and do what only he can do, consume our offering, consume what we've given him, clean all those things off, bring them just as they are, uncut stones. And that's what we're gonna do today. So if y'all would stand to your feet, all I knew to do, all I knew to do is create a moment, an act of worship where we can come, you can come. It's your spiritual transaction with God. This really isn't a corporate thing. You're in a room with a whole bunch of other people, but guess what they're thinking about right now? Their stones. What are other people gonna think? They're gonna be thinking about their stones. You need to be thinking about yours. What is it in your life? Because as we've talked, there's things that have been popped up. You know there has. What is it that you need to, in this moment, spiritually speaking, your spiritual training, what, what do you need to put on that altar, build that altar with the gift of God? And you can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Because some of the things have been, we have lived with them for so long, we have begun to accept them. It seems like they're part of our life. And God says, no, I never meant for that to be a part of your life. And so he'll reveal that to you. And you may have to dig that out to get it out of the ground, but bring them just as they are. You don't have to clean it up. That's what Jesus does on the cross. And he helps you walk out. So we're gonna worship the God, we're gonna worship God in this moment. And as we do that, I'm asking you, and you're the only one that can do it for you, to create a spiritual altar, if you will, and see yourself placing those stones on that altar and giving them to God in worship. And then when we're gonna worship for a few minutes, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna call on God, Jehovah, to come and do what only he can do in our hearts and lives. Let's worship. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you wanna find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.